You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz. Thanks for tuning in. I am joined, as always, by the fabulous Scott Merkin. Merk, we are going to do a off-season review uh, for the Chicago White Sox. And, uh, boy, you know, there's been some big acquisitions in Chicago this offseason. None bigger than your new glasses. Well, no, I would say the two TVs I bought after 19 years not buying TV would still trump the glasses, but glasses run a close, uh, close second because that was about 10 to 12 years. I'm slowly but surely, you know, remodeling myself here. It, it only takes me about two decades to get moving and start changing things. It's interesting because your new TV is, is high def, which you were not accustomed to, but then you go and get the new glasses. You would think you would have needed the high def, the better... Uh better picture before your new glasses. I, I, I struggle to understand uh, the Scott Merkin uh, acquisition process, but I do understand what the White Sox are trying to do. They're trying to compete in 2016. Um, the, the central thesis of uh, going into the winter was, uh, I don't know if thesis is the right word. I shouldn't have said thesis. I said the central question is, will they or won't they? Will they go for it again after getting burned in 2015, or will they uh, kind of retool a little bit? Um, but they're definitely going for it, Merck. And uh, first of all, just your your grand takeaways uh, from from that decision and and what it's wrought here so far. Well, I think it's a good offseason overall. I know there would be plenty of people out there because I talk to them frequently on Twitter and see their comments that think it was kind of done in half measure because they haven't got that last bat that people want. You know, they they didn't get either of the three quote-unquote, big-ticket free agents, although I think two were pretty going to be pretty hard to attain no matter what you did in Gordon and Cespedes. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've said, said this at nauseum at this point, Frazier is one of the bigger offseason pickups for any team, not just the White Sox. And that's no offense to Saladino and Olds who played there last year, but I just think he is the first really solid, you know, kind of daily third baseman you can count on, really, since the Joe Creedy days. You know, and people... Frank Thomas even mentioned Joe Creedy and Robin Ventura. He went back that far. So, you know, I, I know Todd didn't have a, a tremendous second half of the season, but I also know the Reds were well out of contention at that point. So that might have had a little something to do with it. But I think he's going to be a huge lift. And, you know, everyone you talk to, just a great guy, great guy in the clubhouse. And, and really because of the fact that he's such a power-packed hitter, you know, I think overlooked that he's a good defensive player and a pretty good athlete who can steal some bases and hit too. So, that's a nice addition, and I think Brett Laurie is a great addition. You know, just that edge he brings that you hear about is something the Sox were missing a little bit last year. And, and again, I, I think, you know, they they, did a, they changed focus a little bit behind the plate, going a little more offensive-minded, although both guys are, you know, good handler pitchers too. So we'll see what happens. And I, I don't think they're completely done yet, and I don't know if that means it's going to happen, you know, right after we hang up for this from this podcast or if it's going to happen in mid-March at spring training. But I still think... Rick Hunt is looking at, as you've written about him, many other people have written about There's a lot of good players still available out there. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think there's 70 or so free agents, uh, as we sit here today, in the second week of February now. Um, and, and obviously not all those guys uh, are going to command uh, guaranteed contracts. Most of them uh, will we'll have to settle for a minor league deal. The White Sox, as we said before, Mark, they're still in a good position. Uh, having uh, you know two picks in the first round, having one of those picks protected, um, you know they're, they're the team a lot of people point to as one that could still do something with uh, one of those remaining position players tied to the compensation draft picks. But as far as what 
has been accomplished. Um, yeah, the, the, the Lori and the, and the Todd Frazier trade, the Frazier trade in particular, um, dealing from, from the system the way they did. I mean, Frankie Montas was, of course, a, a guy, a player a lot of people like. Trace Thompson, um, you know, really had a, a strong showing in his first call-up to the big leagues in, in 2015. It was interesting to me, Merck, that the Dodgers basically valued that package of players, and Micah Johnson included, uh, over their own guys. Um, Jose Peraza and Scott Schebler, uh, who they send to Cincinnati. So a complicated trade in that regard, but um, just from the White Sox perspective, going that route for, for Frazier, uh, how risky is that to give up a player, especially of Montas's caliber, in a trade like that? Well, I think one of the problems is, you know, their system is, is getting better. I mean, by leaps and bounds, where it was a few years ago, because it was, you know, probably one of the worst in baseball a few years ago. And now, you know, much more depth, uh, better players at the top. But I think when you trade away three guys who are in your top 30 there, you, you know, you're taking a risk, so you're, you're, but you have to give up something to get someone as good as Todd Frazier. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people are looking at Montes because Montes has kind of the, you know, the, the skill that jumps out the 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But while some people think the Sox traded high on Trace Thompson and Robin did a, Robin in terms of a good job of using him primarily against lefties, I think Trace can be a solid player. I, I think Trace gets it. Trace comes from a, a highly accomplished athletic family. For those who, the few who don't know, you know, Michael Thompson's dad won championships on Showtime, the Lakers. Clay Thompson, one of the best shooters in the NBA, won a title with the Warriors. His other brother, Michael, also has played professional basketball. Trace just gets it. And I, I think some of these guys, this is one of the things that I have talked about a little bit about, obviously, Alec Garcia. Sometimes it just takes certain players longer to really hit that level. And when they hit that level, they're off and running. And Trace, it took a few more years in the minors to get to the right spot where he needed to be. But he was great last year. And don't forget, one of the, probably he was the best defensive outfielder they had in the system. And I like Micah Johnson, too. I think Micah fell victim to the fact that the team was awful defensively at the start of last year, and he was not strong defensively at that point. So they had to do something, and that was the easiest move to make, is to bring Carlos Sanchez a better defender in a second. But, again, it's a move they had to make. They needed Todd Frazier as part of this, you know, this ongoing revamping process that Rick Hahn has talked about. And they didn't give up any of their top, you know, quote-unquote three pro- – well, they did – Montes was at that point one of the top three. But they still were able to keep Anderson, Fulmer, and Spencer Adams in there. So, again, I don't know if it's a risky move, but I think it's kind of a calculated risk they had to take because of the fact of who they got back. Uh, you know, one surprise, Mark, we didn't know for sure if they would address the catching position at all, especially in light of, of needs elsewhere in the lineup, and yet it was the thing they went after first. Uh, was the change there look behind the plate. And I think that was the, really the first signal that, okay, this team's making an earnest effort to improve for 2016 and not just stand pat, but uh, letting Tyler Flowers go and, uh, and against Chris Sale's wishes, I'm sure, but uh, uh, and bringing in Alex Avila and Diner Navarro. Talk about that change uh, behind the plate. Well, it's not like there was a possibility at one point that Tyler – could have stayed and been, you know, kind of the Chris Sale and Carlos Rodon kind of catcher, and because he had a great rapport with both those guys. I mean, he caught every pitch Chris Sale has thrown in the last two years, and, and Rodon thrived, you know, with, Carl, with Tyler back there last year. But it ended up being a, a good situation for both guys. You know, Tyler, I think, kind of needed to move on. He's got a good chance in Atlanta to play regularly with his old battery mate, AJ, old catching mate, AJ Przinsky. And the Sox just felt like, you know, they had a bigger impact by adding better bats maybe not quite the pitch framing that Tyler had, but still, you know, pretty good defensive guys back there and Navarro and Avila. So 
And, you know, Chris Sale is fine with that. I mean, Chris is a, is a competitive kid, but he's also the ultimate team-first guy. So I think once he realized, okay, got over the fact Tyler's gone, that's it, I'm not going to have this guy murder. He, was, he embraced the challenge to, all right, let's get let's get something going with the, you know, start figuring out something with the new guys. And I know he's talked to both of them quite a bit in the offseason already, and they're looking forward to the 17th, or no, I'm sorry, the 19th to get, to get things going. So, again, this one, you know, Rick has kind of gone at this methodic, uh, methodically, not trying to do everything in one off season. You know, last year he kind of fixed the bullpen, and, and they, they still had a few hiccups here and there, but what bullpen doesn't? Much better than the year before because they had guys in spots now. They had guys in their roles, starting with David Robertson as the guy who was going to be the closer, barring a trade for, you know, four straight years. And now they went after the offense this year. That was the focus of this off season: improve a, a very weak offense from last year, and they have definitely done that with, the you know, the, those four acquisitions we've talked about. And uh, you mentioned the bullpen. They re-signed Matt Albers, which is uh, right. somewhat overlooked in, in the context of everything else, but obviously he was an important cog in their bullpen last year. Yeah, he was their most consistent guy, I think. You know, he had a uh, he had uh, was sidelined for a while because he broke a finger while breaking up, trying to break up the Royals' Sox right. fight earlier in the year, and uh, then they're having surgery on it, so it ended up being even a longer departure than what they thought originally, but Keeps the ball down. You're not an overpowering guy. Gets ground balls. I think he's probably going to be there, you know, at least as of right now, which is, you know, a lot can change. Probably going to be, you know, one of their primary setup guys with Zach Duke and uh, Nate Jones the back end of that bullpen gets the ball to uh, David Robertson. All right. Well, as we said, things are still in flux. But as of now, Mark, I mean, they're they're showing a lot of confidence in, in Tyler Saladino and, and Avi Garcia, uh, shortstop and, and right field. Um how do you feel about that uh, dynamic? Again, very much subject to change, depending on what happens here uh, between now and opening day. But, but for now, uh, certainly, a, a, you know, full confidence in those guys making offensive strides. Well, Anthony, I just I just happened to read your column, uh, which, which I try to do every morning, you know, just to kind of get myself going for the day. It's another one uh, way to start your day. That's a fact. Exactly. And then I listen to an Eagles song, so I do kind of both hand in hand, and then that gets that gets me that gets me flowing towards the new day. But you know, I, I think as you know, those draft pick compensations are really have become like the biggest. The draft pick period have become the biggest currency yeah. in baseball, and the Sox are really trying to do what some people think is the impossible or some people think is not a clear direction and that they're trying to contend, which they have put together a good nucleus to contend while kind of revamping and getting younger. It's the Braves model, which Rick Hahn has talked about a number of times. And they, I, you know, right now they seem to think they feel keeping those three draft picks and I believe it's in the top 48 right now. I think it's one or 10, 28 and 48. I think that, you know, that apparently seems better served than what the offers, you know, to get a Dexter Fowler, or a Ian Desmond, I haven't heard Gallardo's name mentioned at all in terms of the White Sox. But, you know, it seems like they're taking a chance. And I'm not saying they're not going to add another outfielder. They might not add another infielder into the mix. But it just seems like those two guys who could make an impact, no question, don't have their interest at this moment because of the draft pick compensation. And I understand their 10th pick is, is protected, which was a huge thing the last day of the year that theirs was protected and the Mariners was not. But... They really want those three picks in the top 48. As Nick Haas said, I'll just quickly explain, you know, that he said, you know, when you take someone at 28, I'm sorry, you take someone at 10, and there's another guy or two that you think, well, we'd like them, but maybe they'll fall. 28, they may fall to. They're not going to fall. They're not going to still be around at 48. So I think that's part of their thinking, and it may change. Maybe they do decide in the next couple of weeks if they're still available, we need 
Desmond. We you know we decide we need him and they give up the pick. But right now that's that's their line of thinking it seems. Yeah, I see both sides of it, and there's ways you can play with the the added pool money you get when you when you have those picks. Exactly, that's another thing I forget. The pool money is a big thing too. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, but you know, I, I definitely see both sides of the argument. Scott Merkin presents them well, and uh, you can finally see what's going on out there uh, when Fisher catches the court in Glendale, Arizona. Um, you know, really mere days from now at this point. So I want to thank Merk for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.